Welcome to We Are Chafee Looking Upstream, a conversational podcast of humanness based in Chafee County, Colorado. I'm Adam Williams. Today I'm talking with Jonathan Stalls, author of the book Walk, Slow Down, Wake Up, and Connect at 1 to 3 miles per hour. Jonathan describes himself as a walking artist. He is a poet and writer and an ink and pen artist, as well as a community organizer and advocate for unhurried movement in the world. In this conversation, we get into Jonathan's 242-day walk across the United States as a hugely pivotal experience for him, especially given the fact that he had never done anything remotely like it before. Jonathan shares the deeply painful buildup of experiences that led him to that mental and emotional space where a cross-country walk made sense to him, even if he had no idea what he was doing when he started it. That includes his sharing the story of standing at the edge of a suicide attempt long ago while in Ireland, a few years before that walk across America, and how he came to that moment of thinking that he would rather be dead than be who he truly was and is, and then what fatefully drew him back from that edge. What Jonathan learned while walking from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific fuels his personal life practices today and his advocacy and community organizing. It was on that walk that he was able to let go of so many of those unhelpful, painful stories that he had been carrying and start to rewrite them and to shape a new way forward. He shares walking as medicine and an opportunity to connect with nature and others through organized walking experiences through an organization called Walk to Connect and through his advocacy for pedestrian dignity. As you already can tell, this conversation does get deep and emotional at times, but there's also plenty of laughter and optimism along the way. As always, websites relevant to today's conversation will be posted in the show notes at wearechafee.org. You can learn more there after listening. Now, here's my conversation with Jonathan Stalls. Jonathan, welcome to Looking Upstream. Thank you. Honored to be here. We have a lot to talk about. And I want to start with letting people know uh, about your book. The title is Walk, with the subtitle, Slow Down, Wake Up, and Connect at 1 to 3 Miles Per Hour. Now, I've read this book. I I thank you for gifting a copy to me so that I could. And I want to tell you that what I have sort of seen in this, I see the book as weaving many things together. It's not necessarily memoir in the sense of what you know you might think of conventionally for that. Yet there are memoiristic kinds of uh, anecdotes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily a self-help book either, I would say. Right. Yet there's abundant invitation to all kinds of opportunities to engage with well-being and so on. So I could go on. I see many <laughs> things in this, yeah. but I want to ask you. How do you describe this book? How do you think of it in your own mind? How do you describe it to somebody who is just encountering it on the shelf? No idea what's in it. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that question. I, so it, the, the, the frame I give it, and it, it fits into this kind of budding genre, is creative nonfiction. Um, as a self-described walking artist, um, it just there's a lot of little things. So to your point, it's uh, people see the title Walk, and they might have a fitness connection or a health connection it's like well (laughs) there's some of that Um, and then others might see some of my work and they might say oh it's like maybe pedestrian safety focused and there's tips on that well (laughs) 
there's a little bit of that. <laughs> Someone might see memoir, and it's it's got a little bit of that. So it's a little bit of a lot of things. Um, but the thread for me is so intentional, this um, creative invitation to moving in an unhurried way for self, for others, for community. So a lot of it's just that it, it, coming up with creative ways to tell story, to create practice, um, to use some of my pen and ink artwork to inspire some different things, and just raw personal experience as a way to ground it um, around something that has literally, the, one of the first frames in the book is walking is my primary form of medicine. And so, you know, tapping into that through creative text. Yeah. When I have looked up information about the book, I think that part of what was used to well, I, I'll say promote it, but it's it's a, a key facet of this, I think, and that is a 242-day walk across America. Mm-hmm. And so I'd have to say that when I opened it up, I did, I think I expected Yeah. it was a memoir entirely on that. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing to add to what you were just saying is, well, it's well, got a little bit of that. It's a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get to that, I yeah. suspect, later in the conversation, that that in huge experience. Yeah. I want to start with when, where, how did walking come into your life as something that was that medicine, something meaningful, mm-hmm. um, a daily practice? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and you hit it. The, the cross-country walk is a huge starting point for me, um, very intentionally, a very raw experience, uh, eight and a half months across the U.S., it was a very personal experience. I had no idea what I was doing uh, leading up to it. Um, I was working through some hard things. I was, I'm sensitive. I'm an artist. I moved every two years as a kid growing up. Parents split when I was six. And so there was a lot of chaos, you know, growing up and going to 12 different schools, constantly starting over was a lot, uh, being a sensitive person, being an artist, but also being being gay and queer. So I'm LGBTQ, and coming out was really difficult in all of that stacked transition, trying to fit in, trying to be liked. And so this was kind of a growing, all these things were growing on the inside for years. Um, and so in my early mid-20s, when I started to face some of these things or try and you know, let some of it out. <laughs> I haven't talked about it, like just kind of poking the balloon or poking the thing to let some of this stuff kind of spill out the sides. I would, I realized I needed something to heal, to connect, to recalibrate. Um, and so this was a series of things that led me to this long walk. I saw the book Walk Across America by Peter Jenkins, which, yeah. was, which was just this amazing story of this young man's experience. And I, lo- I, I found myself just completely gutted by this freedom to just, or this ache of the unknown to just kind of walk and be strengthened by community and by landscapes and by slow movement. And I felt like this, this could be something, I don't know, but it could be something that might heal some things that I don't even fully have words for. And so that's what it was. I had friends drop me off uh, at the Atlantic Ocean on March 1st um, in 2010. And I just started walking because I, I, I just felt I needed to walk some things out. And, and I wanted a whole new menu of teachers via the land, via people I, I, I stumble upon, time to just be with the real stuff that goes on inside, the, the grief, the anger, um, the sadness, but also dreaming and joy. And it, I, I describe it often as just a, it's a brand new canvas for how I wanted to learn and love uh, about who I am in the world around me. And so 
that's where this relationship to moving in an unhurried way started. It was, it was on that walk. That is a tremendously <laughs> huge undertaking, yeah. just, just mentally, spiritually, oh, yeah. all the things that that's your starting point. Yeah. How, how do you, I, I know the book that you're talking about, Walk Across America. Uh-huh. How do you come to that? idea in your mind at that time and say, <laughs> this is how I'm going to start this healing, connecting, learning experience. It's not, I'm going to walk across Delaware, Yeah, right? It's I'm going to walk across <laughs> thousands of miles, several months. Yeah. Do you, do you recall the process of how you wrapped your head around that? And how did your friends and family respond to you're going to do what now? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I, you know, I think, I think it was, it was a mix of things. I was looking at Peace Corps. I had just seen the movie Into the Wild because it had just come mm-hmm. out. So that was, that was tapping into some stuff too, just around just kind of getting away from these defaults. I just wanted to be seen and to move through things in, at a different frequency. I didn't trust a lot of the systems I was brought up in. I didn't trust a lot of the the structures that were kind of brought from whether it's family or friends or peers or politics or social systems. I just was like, ah, oh, this is just, it's not authentic. It doesn't feel real to me. So this, stu- I, and I wouldn't have had words for it back then. I wouldn't have had those words for it, but there was just stuff that was growing. And uh, so I think I'm also, I, I got a lot of my stress out through athletics and I, I played sports growing up and so the structure of this, okay, there's a little bit of structure, <laughs> like there's a starting point and there's this kind of loose goal of reaching the Pacific Ocean. So I felt like having this structure of like, all right, I, I'm going to start here and I'm trying to get to this other side of the country, a country that I did grow up in and how do I learn from it? So there was this structure piece, this goal orientation of getting to the coast that was really important to me. And I think it helped put some... Uh, put some motivation. It helped me motivate myself as I thought about the the unknowns and the fears of this. Um, my family, my 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 dad was just rolling his eyes. <laughs> he was like, he's just like, um, okay, cool, cool idea, Jonathan. Uh, you could tell he just didn't have a lot of time to kind of sit with me in it because I've had a lot of those. Not that idea, but I had ideas similar. As an artist, I would put things out there all the time and wouldn't necessarily follow through. And my mom was just like, I don't want to hear about it. Don't talk to me about it. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. Don't even talk to me about it. This is scaring me and I don't want to, you know. <laughs> so they really were kind of in this place of shock and not believing me. Two weeks into the walk, once I reached, uh, once I reached the, the Potomac River, they were both like, uh, okay, he, he's doing it. Once I got a little further into Missouri, they're like, he's doing it. This, this is happening. <laughs> he, and they were... They were so supportive. They were checking in all the time. My mom would constantly call and cry and <laughs> like making sure I'm okay. Um, and it was beautiful. My dad ended up joining me in the high desert of Nevada for three or four days to support me. And we had a really, really special time out there. So they ended up being amazing supports, but doubted for sure at the beginning. Yeah. You have some anecdotes from that experience within your book, Walk, as I had mentioned. Yeah. And there's so much color and detail to that, which makes me wonder, were you writing Were you writing with an intention that there be some kind of book come out of it? Or, you know, how, how did you come to that place that ultimately 
this was in 2010, by the way, yeah. right? When you yeah. started this walk and, and did this walk. So we're talking about a dozen years before the book that we are also talking about did come out. Yeah. How did all that fit together? What, how did, yeah, how did the creative aspects of that, the, the intentions come together? Yeah, it was, it was a mess of things. I, I mean, on the cross-country walk, I had a dedicated journal, a journal entry every day. I was, I was also raising awareness for this amazing organization called Kiva that helps mm-hmm. support um, just microloans for people starting small businesses all over the U.S. and around the world. Um, awesome organization, and I was working with them. So I was updating an audience every day in some fashion on a website and on a blog, which gave me a lot of life and another part of having a little bit of structure that kind of helped me vision this thing. Um, and so I had these little these little notes. Sometimes I didn't have a lot of service, and it was three sentences, 28 miles today, great food, fell in a ditch, <laughs> like whatever, you know, just because I, you know, I was standing on top of a mountain or a fence to try and get service. Or I had longer, you know, I had longer updates because I had a break or I got to stop at a library. Um, and so there was this journal entry relationship to writing on the walk itself that I just had files and files um, after. But there was just something in me that was like, it's not, it's not ready to be a book. I don't know if it will be. It may be. Um, and then as I started just getting into more of what became my creative work around walking and moving in an unhurried way as medicine, as connection, uh, it just, the, the other stories of moving with other people and hosting events and these patterns and these themes that I just kept seeing surface through these, through this creative work were, were just, they got louder and louder. And, um, and then ultimately, uh, as I started to even more to even further identify as a walking artist just with my artwork and my poetry. And I was like, oh, th- th- this I could see as a really unique book. Um, interlacing the stories of that long walk, walking with other people, weaving in my art. Then it, then it started to surface as a tangible project. That's something that felt genuine. You know, I heard there was a great, Cheryl Strayed wrote some great uh, books and stories from her walks and personal life. Um, her book Wild it talks about this journey across the her journey on the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail. And I saw her in a at an event, and she was speaking about because someone asked her that question from the audience, and they were just like, "Why did it take twenty plus years for you to walk or to write this book after this <laughs> event?" And she just very calmly and in a very grounded way just said. It wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for it. It just needed to be its own organic thing, and it finally felt ready. And that's kind of how that's kind of how this unfolded. But I threw this. I threw the writing in the shelf. I threw it out. I walked away from it. Came back to it over and over again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like the soul searching, if I can use that word, that yeah. all of these things that it accumulated, um, the things you were trying to explore within yourself. Mm-hmm. That was the purpose. This, it sounds like, is when you discovered the medicine aspect of walking. Yeah. Can you speak to maybe some of that, what mm-hmm. you're willing to share of what that story is, what had built up there, what was it you were looking to truly deeply understand mm-hmm. about yourself, and then how that medicine came along and, and it sounds like had healing properties that, yeah. that truly uh, manifested. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I, it was, so I have a, 
a complicated lineage in my family with with suicide. Um, there was several people in my family, my uh, uncles and my grandmother, who took their own life in their 30s. Um, and that had never been on my radar as as a strategy or as an out of the hard things. Uh, but when things got really tough in 2006, uh, four years before doing this walk, that's that I, I felt it kind of like a, a rise from the ground up where, okay, this is really hard trying to come out, trying to be comfortable with whatever the things are that are crawling and growing and banging on the inside. So this is this is this is how I'm going to handle this. And this was in Ireland when I was really struggling with some of this stuff. And, you know, I describe it, you know, at the beginning of the book, just a little bit around how the wind in the trees and the, the birds and the sky at the time that I was, um, you know, that I was attempting. I, my, my process and path was to walk in front of traffic. Um, so I was outside of a high-speed road, and, and, and I just, the wind in the trees kind of pushed me away from, from this you know, from, from kind of falling into that place fully. And so I, I was walking with these trees, not knowing or making the connection at that point at all, that it was nature and trees and movement that were kind of guiding me perhaps out of this. And so that theme, as I started, you know, skipping over a couple of years, deciding to do this walk, you know, I, I would, again, I wouldn't have had words for all these things, but this is, these are the things that I started to trust. And so as I walked, literally, I, I always describe walking and moving in a, in a patient way. Um, there's just this constant relationship to shedding, you know, kind of whether it's the breeze kind of blow, there's just blowing things off the shoulder. Um, I think about dead skin. I share this in the book just related to like being seated and inside of walls. You know, we kind of collect dead skin, <laughs> you know, and I just think of like for t to be out and to move through space, like I'm just... I'm letting go of these unhelpful stories, you know, mile by mile, day by day. You know, by the time I get to the Delaware and Maryland border, by the time I get to Cincinnati, Ohio, by the time I get to these different, you know, these different benchmarks, um, you know, I'm, my, my capacity to love who I am is increasing. I'm making more room to rewrite these stories I'm talking with and learning and moving with hundreds of people from all different backgrounds, politics, social, race, class, you name it, LGBTQ, moving with people for miles and miles and miles, listening to their stories. Because, you know, and as I've learned over the years, the, sci the neuroscience of what happens when we walk, you know, the way um, our brains and our hearts just open, the way central brain is engaged to actually allow the real things to kind of fumble out in a way that's not as you know, transactional, but they just, they just exist with us as we move and as we share with other people. And, and that's what happened. By the time I got to the high desert, I, I was like, I, I am learning to love who I am. I'm weird. I get angry and loud sometimes. I love deeply. I'm super sensitive. I cry all the time. I love to draw. I, yes, I hug trees and I take naps under them. <laughs> I, I love flowing water. I love birds. I love the unique particular details of the people I'm meeting across all these lines. And this is part of my story. It's messy. But I just, I had, I had this confidence that I could create a, a new path um, by the, you know, I, and I, I often describe, you know, there were, <laughs> there were hours I would spend walking in the high desert of Nevada on the low, what they call the loneliest highway in America, which goes right through the center of the state. 
Um, and there, I just would, I, I'd be out there for hours without clothes, just walking on this rural highway, no cars, no people, screaming, singing. I'd wake up in the morning with wild horses. I, those encounters, those experiences are just, they're, they're testaments to kind of shedding a lot of things in a way that um, felt really tangible because of walking. You've said a couple of times you didn't have the language for something, and I can completely yeah. relate to that, <laughs> and that that, I think, goes with what you're talking about, this time between the walk, mm -hmm. the development of the book, the setting it aside, the coming back to it. Yeah. Eventually, it's published. It takes us time to sit with everything for yeah. the language to come to us, for us to find it. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that completely makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like it sounds like, and I thought this when reading your book, not to oversimplify your life by any means, but if we take, it's almost like this pivotal experience of the walk across America and everything that you are describing, there was everything before it. There's this incredible life-changing experience that is this walk. Mm -hmm. And then there's everything that has come after and is continuing to develop and to grow. Yeah. Does that, that sounds fair to you? Oh, it sounds yeah. like a reasonable assessment without, without taking away the yeah. nuance. Absolutely. So if we can go back to Ireland for a moment. Yeah. And I'm curious if, if, if it's not going too deeply here in the experience that you described, you had come to what sounds like the absolute low mm -hmm. and considering the lineage of concerning uh, suicide in your, your family. What had taken you to Ireland and what m added up to that moment perhaps before you felt that release and relief and ability to step back from that edge? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, there's just, there's so many things and it's so limited with words. I, I think just, that there, there's something about being teased a lot as a kid, and that's what I—that's the situation I was in a lot when I was growing up. I mean, you're a new student every every two years. You're going into—I <laughs> mean, kids are great and kids are cruel, <laughs> you know. Like new students get, and so I there was a lot of that. But I was also, you know, I think being—I so, always reference just being so sensitive. I felt things real. I, I, I always was really feeling things. There was a lot of conflict in my parents in the household as well between my parents, both prior and after their divorce. So you just—and and my coping was to absorb it, was to suppress it. I buried it. I buried things, and I played on the outside, kind of don't be the reason, Jonathan, mm. that you cause conflict. So as long as you can kind of maintain harmony with your being and presence, that you know that then then you can kind of get through, get by. Because if you are also causing conflict, so everything would just get buried kind of under that this this coping that that's just kind of how it operated over time. And I so leaning into Ireland, there's a lot of layers that landed me there. This was actually I, I was a part of this. Um, this church plant of sorts out there that was really complicated, um, non-denominational. It was a it was a journey through connecting to a church community when I lived in California, 
Um, this was all alongside of some really difficult things that my mom was going through at the time. And I needed help and support. At that time, I was on a path of more discipline. We'll pray the gay away. More, pray the gay away. I got to get a, I got to get rid of this. I got to get rid of the gay. The gay is bad. The gay is sin. The gay is this. And it's just, and I, at the time, thought that more discipline <laughs> would be it. That that would be, and, and you know, everyone's on their journey. I, I just, but for me, it was, again, suppressing, letting other people tell me what they, like kind of projecting their ideas of who God is or isn't, uh, who, what is right and what is wrong, and absorbing, absorbing kind of my own truths, burying them, and just playing peaceful peacekeeper, just hold, hold the... <laughs> You know, like, all right, so this group can help me maybe process my mom. This is what I grew up with, knowing church is a place where you can seek help. And so that's what I leaned into in California. And that tumbled into this really problematic, um, lots of beautiful things in Ireland, met some amazing people. It was it was a profound, maybe a first start at giving me a little bit of confidence to do something like the cross-country walk, kind of leaving, uprooting from the U.S., going to a different country, learning different things from different people. Um, but the other thing that Ireland, in a way, was, was, it, was a, it was kind of banging at the door around, you better start paying attention to these things you're burying because you are a ticking time bomb. It's going to be really ugly if you I mean literally it was just it was I was constantly on edge I was constantly starting to feel the pressure of really just lying to everybody everybody at all times um, there were times when I would just have to leave meetings or leave gatherings that we would have and just just leave because I, I, I was just like this is so fake I'm, I'm I'm a fake I'm a I'm literally lying with my energy and I'm, because I'm so sensitive, I'm feeling all of that false energy. <laughs> and I, so I just knew something had to, and then as I started to peer in and listen, that's when the kind of the twisted stories started to turn in on themselves and say, oh, well, then you'd rather be, you should probably just end it because you actually being a little more truthful about what's really going on is going to cause some conflict, like serious conflict. Your family won't accept you. Your friends won't accept you. The world won't accept you. And ultimately, your salvation and God won't accept you. The church won't accept you. All these things. You, your, your worthiness is kind of on the... So, there was the, that was my... The attempt in Ireland was kind of this stacked, like, all right, simple, the simple thing to do is to, is to end it. I'd rather be dead than be gay. Um, and so it, 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 all the thing, and, and even in all that, I think being an artist, being a creative person, being somebody that, you know, I, I now do a lot of pen and ink artwork as my, one of my primary forms of, of work and creative work. Um, but I would always kind of get lost in sketchbooks as a kid, kind of escape. And so in these worlds that I would create through sketching, I, I had visions of there's other ways some of the people I met in Ireland that were not a part of the church, you know, these glimpses of other people living and moving and with a, with a different vibration, you know, however they're experimenting with their life and their art, I would notice and witness these things and they would, they would land. And, um, and I was always so curious about nature as a teacher. Um, so I think that's maybe why when I heard the wind in those trees, 
that it drew me off of that. But I, I, I and that's where, you know, I, I consider myself a very spiritual person, uh, somewhere in the spaces between whatever words you use or don't use. But I, I trust, I love the, the term nature as the first sacred text. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I, I relate to that a lot. And, uh, and so I trust that there was, there was energy kind of bringing me off of that, off of that ledge, essentially, in Ireland and giving me some permission to, to really start over in a lot of ways. Yeah. I'm trying to process the immense burden and weight of feeling not only like when you were a child, the balance, the calm with your parents, but then taking that to this place, this recognition of who you are as queer, as gay, in a world that you feel like no one accepts this, not the groups I'm in, the friends, the family, whoever of these new kids at school, in the church, society. Yeah. The weight of everything you just explained and sounding like. Yeah. It's better off to not be. I, I'm. Mm-hmm. That 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 almost has me sort of speechless as I try to to feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The the isolation is. Yeah, it, it's a it's a trembling isolation. It's a it's a place of, and the and the 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 the, the real the the real harm when you're associating that isolation and that kind of lack of worthiness with something like God, something like we, like I, I just, it, it's such a dangerous, um, yeah, it's a really, it's a really, really difficult place. And, and, and the environments to your, to what you were sharing, it's like, that's exactly, I didn't have peers that were queer gay. I didn't have access. I mean, I grew up, I was kind of in these more siloed environments and you just didn't have I just didn't have the support or any any access for what that could look like in a way that was more liberating and honest and open and even if even to be on a journey like that's the piece too it's like we 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 want so much and and I get it this isn't a judgment we're all on this on this funky messy imperfect path but there's such a quickness to to need a binary or to need clarity you know so even to be in process and to have people that can just be in process with you when you're trying to figure these things out rather than shutting it off telling you you're you're being you're wrong or telling you this is flawed and this is this is what it is and you need to do this it's like the and i so the book is such you know i i try to put writing an invitation through walking practice um, or movement practice um, around these kind of concepts or invitations of the unknown, like just to be in process, dot, 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 aren't we all always in process? <laughs> all of us. That's the scary thing for so many of us, yes. though, right? Is yes. that, and, and I feel like I'm coming to understand this more and more and more as I view, well, as I have been able to uh, find some teachers and mentors and friends uh, on the spiritual level who have introduced me to practices for myself and it's therapeutic things and it's which would include walking all kinds of methods Mm -hmm. and what i am seeing you mentioned binary there's this black and white i need the comfort of labels and boxes and everything to be very crisply defined yeah or else right my whole understanding of the world 
falls apart. Yeah. And I think that's where we are suffering on on the big scale here, societally. Mm-hmm. We are we're doing it with you know socially with politics, in all the ways, mm-hmm. uh, religion, uh, in, in every way that we have it. We need things to be the, this crystal clear thing and. I love that we can talk about this, and I hope that if there's anybody else out there who needs to hear, this gray area is actually where life is. Yeah, This is where we need to find our comfort is within that discomfort, and that's where the work is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's why the chapter titles are so intentional. The, the first chapter being Walking is Human Dignity, you know, just this kind of grounding first and that do you either, you know, leaning into like believing that we are all worthy of breath and life and our stories and our, our just our messiness. Like we're all a mess. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. stop playing around, you know, and we have really beautiful things to offer. But then the second chapter walking as humility, you know, this invitation of humbly, you know, and I have a story in there where it's like, we're all sitting on that toilet. We're leaking. Our, our fluids are constantly coming out of our face. You know, like we're just <laughs> like, stop. We don't need to, I, like, I get it. Like we don't want to always be playing with our stuff, but like, there's something so fundamentally like messy about the human journey and how, and and I just find that without getting even too conceptual about it, it's why I have a lot of practices in the book because I don't want to overthink it. Just lean into movement, experience it for yourself, move with that person who maybe causes some discomfort or causes some tension or, or maybe you just, you don't understand, or maybe you know, whatever it is, and to move with, to be alongside, shoulder to shoulder, right next to each other, in an unhurried way, under an open sky, with the trees and the birds and the river and all the things in nature that communicate to us that it is so far from a binary, that the the branches twist and bend, and sometimes you got to break the biggest branch so you can grow a little more towards the sun, like this is the tree, like the looking at how trees adapt and how the wounds like slowly heal. And I, I mean, I could go on and on. You know, it almost, (laughs) hearing you say it like that, now it occurs to me that it's almost strange that we have even developed this system of whatever it is, psychology and an expectation that is binary. Why isn't the gray area? Why isn't the fluidity of it all our norm? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to step back from some of these, heavier things for a moment maybe. And let's go back to what you said about how you describe yourself as a walking artist. What do you mean by that? What does that look like in your life? Yeah, thank you. I, it's fun. It, you know, it's just a really, it's a fun, it's playful, it's experimentative. I, I think it's just, it's more owning that I, walking or moving in an unhurried way through a space with someone else, with all the things kind of you know, bubbling up on the inside, like the thoughts, the feelings, um, even, you know, the things in the gut. I just, walking is my medicine. It's my main medicine. It's my, one of my main teachers, you know, just moving through the world that way. And, and that being inclusive to on a wheelchair empowered scooter, like moving in an unhurried way. And so just trusting that medicine so much in my own, knowing it's not going to land for every person the same way it does for me, but just trusting it so much. And then just being an artist, have always been an artist, escaping as a kid into creating worlds with drawing and pencil and all the things. Art class was always the place I would thrive through school, but also in my college studies. And and so I, 
um, for years after the cross-country walk, I dove pretty quickly into hosting walking events and training walking leaders because I just was like, we got to, <laughs> y'all, we got to move. We got to move our bodies. We got to talk to each other in a way that's a little more healthy. We got to lean into each other's stories. I just felt we got to connect with these rivers and streams. We, I just felt so strongly almost from an organizing framework after the cross-country walk. And that's that's what ignited Walk to Connect, which became an organization at one point and a, and a, and a kind of a movement, if you will, with a lot of really beautiful people. Um, but then even after through that, I just was like, oh, I'm, st- I'm still neglecting this artist. I'm, n- I'm kind of leaving the, 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 the drawing being child person that I want to reconnect with on the, on the side. And I just didn't want to do that anymore. So... It's uh, intrinsic paths is kind of the the framework of my creative work, and it's everything from, you know, to be a walking artist for me at least is sometimes I'm under a tree drawing and making sketches and and making pieces as fine art for prints and for sale and for trade and um, for gifts, but also um, writing and poetry. And then there's another part of my work called pedestrian dignity, where I do a lot of storytelling on pedestrian safety and accessibility um, from the built environment perspective. So kind of the injustices of how we think about um, our public spaces and places from a vantage point of pedestrian access. So how are people safely getting to the grocery store or home or older populations, children, people with mobility devices, various disabilities, and just broad, big public health related to all the benefits of moving this way. How, how can the pedest- How can I storytell and be an artist there? So I play there a lot. So in one day I'm doing it. So in one hour I'm drawing a picture under a tree. The next hour I might be, <laughs> I might be cussing at an intersection, making a pedestrian dignity. <laughs> like nobody can get through here. What are we doing? Let's do something, you know, like trying to get, trying to play as an artist there. And then I'm writing and then I'm hosting a walking group event. So it, it touches a lot of different spaces and that gives me joy that I can kind of access these different places of expression centered on a theme of, of walking. Yeah. Walking with groups. You mentioned Walk to Connect and I do want to come back around to that. But before we yeah. do, you've kind of alluded to this idea of walking shoulder to shoulder, walking with people and what that connection is about. You now lead groups of strangers mm-hmm. doing this. But you have also cited in this book the relationships, your closest relationships, and walks with them. This has become part of the life uh, experience and sharing and poignant moments with your father, your mother, and with your partner, your husband, who incidentally you met in Ireland mm-hmm. while you were there on during that period. And in the book, you reference, uh, well, let, let's start with the one with your mom. Yeah. That was so, yeah. I think, critical to your relationship. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think you know which one I'm referring to, if you'd care to share that story, and just how that has now influenced your relationship from that moment forward on a walk. Yeah. Yeah, this was, this was, um, so this is the chapter titled Walking as Vulnerability, which is, which was a hard it was a hard word for me to choose to even put in the book like that because it's so loaded and I um, but I just felt so strongly specifically to walking as a practice as a tool for how we kind of go into those what I uh, imperfectly just describe as kind of the, these trembling realms when we're just like when we're when we're really upset or we're really angry 
or we're really, or we're feeling threatened, or we're feeling like maybe even joy, and we want to celebrate, but we don't know how to move our body and do it, like whatever it is. And for me, coming out was one of those huge, trembling seasons of I'm choosing to live and try this life after those really hard things in Ireland and the wind in the trees and choosing to kind of start over. So I want to invite my family into this. And because of, um, because of that movement um, in Ireland, as I was trying to process, I was like, all right, I, something in me just trusts that this is going to be easier if I'm moving with my mother um, under the trees, with the breeze, under the sky, as I share and kind of fumble with these. And so the story kind of is a, is a line by line kind of invitation into just into inviting my mom into some really hard things that I didn't have a lot of words for into pro into honest, raw process. Um, I didn't at the time know or would say that I'm gay. I just was like, I I'm on a journey. <laughs> I know I am not straight as we call it, but I don't know what I am. And I just want to invite you into this process. And, um, one of the things that, uh, I was discerning at the beginning of that was that it was just inviting her if we could just move for a little bit at the beginning, just to kind of let the body, let the blood flow a little bit, like work, let, let the brain kind of open, let the heart feel things. Like I didn't, I wouldn't have had those words fully back then, but I trusted that we just, can we just move for a little bit? And she was kind of nervous and she's like, no, no, I, what's going on, honey? What, what do you mean? I don't want to just, <laughs> like, she was kind of pushing in. I invited her to move. You know, we kind of went, and then I started starting inviting her in but did that seem strange to her at that time what do you mean you want to just go move. for a walk what <laughs> yes. what is this about where are we of, of course she was just thrown off she wanted to know it just wasn't the it it felt scary for her there was fear there was um which which all makes sense and i and i couldn't be more grateful for how it unfolded in terms of just i and i really trust that because we were moving we could let kind of these things fumble out. And this is what happens when you're, when you're walking next to someone and you're sharing difficult things. You're not across a table. You're not, and I believe this so much. I often share it now more, you know, frequently around kind of artificial walls. We think about 90 degree walls that are artificially made mostly. So the material energy that we're next to or near when we're having difficult conversations. And if our bodies are across from each other, a table or a, you know, there's 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 eye contact and there can be intimacy, but there is also so much that plays in this, you know, the, not 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 maybe not all the way into combat and <laughs> but there's yeah. there's a little bit you're you're not as naturally and organically flowing and moving together as you are on a walk. Like our bodies are still moving next to each other as I'm sharing some of these things with my mom. She's still physically next to me as she doesn't quite understand what's going on and as she's trying to process. Those things might seem really simple, but they're, they're not when we think about it as, a, as an actual practice or tool. And so for my mom and I, it was, you know, eventually getting to the place where we were, she was just sharing very, very um, openly and in a very messy, tear-filled way that she loved me no matter what, doesn't understand this journey, doesn't know any gay people, doesn't know how to support, is scared, is terrified. She got to share her process. Um, that was a part of it. Um, but I also got to really experiment in a very messy way with how do I how do I begin to invite people 
all the way in, or at least a little more than I would have for the 24 years previous. Yeah. And this was two, two and a half years before the big walk yeah. that really would kind of cement walking yeah. as that medicine in your life. Yeah. So I want to go from that very deep and meaningful personal experience with you and your mother to now what you do with things like Walk to Connect, this very public, open, inviting experience mm -hmm. with people who've never met each other before. Describe what's going on there and what kinds of connections you see and hear and participate in happening through experiences like that. Yeah. It just it just became so and, and, and it stemmed the, the cross-country walk. There would be families or kids or people that would join me for hours and hours. They'd just see me and, hey, can I join you for a little bit? Hey, can my family? Hey, I even had, I share this in the book a little bit, I had um, homeschool parents drop their kids off. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Y'all, that is trusting. And, you know, they at the beginning, I didn't take their phone number, which was stupid. So I'm like an hour in and I'm like, y'all better be coming back to get these kids. <laughs> So I figured out some tools when people would do that. Anyway, but I so that would happen and it was literally like it was it was like it was clockwork, it was consistent. The stats, if I could research it, I would. The the data behind 15, 20, 30 minutes of movement with a complete stranger, um, the things that would start to show up in our conversations, the way the things they would share with me, the things they felt comfortable sharing or asking, or the things I would share with them, and you know, by the time an hour or a couple hours would pass, it's like it, it, it's not that it's everything, and it's not always going into the deep things, but there was a comfort and a flow around listening and offering, and even being okay with moments of silence in between the talking. So there's all these other forms of connecting that are happening kind of in the heart and in the body. I, so all of that was just so, so dialed in for me by the end of that walk that, yeah. So with walk to connect, it's just been constantly experimenting with hosting. Um, and we, we, we describe it as connection focused walks um, or rolling events if you're on mobility devices. And it's just, it's meant to just encourage with a little bit of structure and a little bit of guidance um, moving next to each other. Let that blood flow. Open the mind. You're not across the table. You're not inside of a room at a networking event trying to just kind of come up with stuff, which is great. Those have places. But like this is, there's just something a lot, there's a lot more, it's more open to me. It's more spacious. It's more forgiving. So a lot of the, the walks that I host that are, um, you know, when I'm just starting with a community or with a group of people, it's, you know, we'll, We'll go 10, 15 minutes, you're walking with someone. And then at the intersection or at the end of a loop around a park, it's just being guided by me or if by a walk leader to switch it up. Now talk with someone else. High five that person you just moved. It sounds a little like, you know, we're, we're kind of doing some stuff maybe we did in kindergarten. All right? Adults, <laughs> we're going to be all right. But like this is stuff that like, it's medicine to, to move with. I mean, I've gotten to know so many people here in Salida and Buena Vista already just through the stuff we've been doing here, but in other places, so many people across all these different divides and lines thinking about different experiences via race, via uh, political stuff, via class, and to just move with someone who has such a unique experience in a way that's more open and flowing and not as um, the terms I use that are limited, but not as transactional. You know, sometimes when you're meeting with people and you're getting to know them, there's 
there can feel like there's a transaction taking place um, of some kind, or maybe it's dictating the connection. When you're moving with people, it's just, it's a lot more open. And so the last note I'll just share on that related to it, the relationships that form because it's more flowing and open, the trust that forms is so profound. I mean, we have people from our our recurring walks, especially that we've done where it's like a weekly Tuesday morning thing or a weekly Friday thing or Saturday thing. I mean, there's people who become, they're written in each other's wills. They're marrying each other. If they, you know, they're, they're, they're people. That, and I love this quote, one of my favorite authors, Adrian Marie Brown, who wrote this book called Emergent Strategy. But one of my favorite quotes from her book is moving at the speed of trust. Mm. It's like, yes, that's it. That's what it is. It's, 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 and it's not a gimmick. It's not an app. <laughs> this is something we're made to be doing, engineered to be doing. Yeah. When you have been describing not only this right here, but also that experience with your mother, and what I'm picturing is how we actually, we do flow together. We, move, we are with each other. Mm-hmm. There is a motion and action in common. It's like a stream flowing. We're moving in the same direction Mm -hmm. together. And where we have those conversations with, say, a table in in between us, there is that physical, it becomes a barrier. There is that opposition you're describing there. Yes, you can look each other in the eyes, Mm -hmm. but we're already putting in the physical and maybe the subconscious barriers to this connection. Yeah. And like you're saying, you come to a conversation with someone who you don't know, there can be a guard up. There can be a, well, what's in it for me? Or what is it you're after? Yeah. Yeah. So this movement with someone who might be from a different uh, philosophy, religion, yes, the politics, the class, whatever, all the categories can be. When we're moving together, we are starting from a place of this is something we have in common. Yeah. Now what flows out of us as we flow together. Uh, it, yes, and and just even adding yes to all of it, like this kinetic connection, and and it it's the even you think about just even sitting, you know, inside. So there's a there's a physical stuckness mm. around sedentary, right? So you're kind of sit, you're kind of sitting in your in your positions. <laughs> you know, you're gonna whether you know it or not, consciously or not, right? And you're not, your body is actually not at all even willing because you're sitting you, sometimes inside of walls or if it's in a cafe, you can't actually move all that far. So movement is kind of irrelevant unless you're maybe doing connection while stretching or something, which, you know, <laughs> is an option. But you think about the, the actual like human bodies, humble human bodies exposed to the elements. So there's, a, there's, a, there's just this, you're out in the world. And you're actually moving together. So your 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 bodies are communicating without even the positions in the mind and what it does to kind of position us. Your bodies are communicating. Yeah, we're we're in process. We're moving. We're shedding skin. We're growing. Our joints are recalibrating as they connect to the the gravity of the earth to keep our bodies. Uh, we're, all this stuff is happening in the body when you're moving with someone. So there's movement, movement, and then you're. Typically, it could work walking backwards, but you're typically moving forward. Like these are simple things, but they're actually really profound. When we think about, are we going to evolve or are we going to remain 
kind of giving over so much time and energy to stuckness, to being seated, to being inside of artificial walls, to being across tables and across these divides when really none of that is actually real. And it's just, it, I, I shouldn't say that. that. That dismisses, what I mean by that though is it's not, I don't trust, at least personally, that it's inherent, that it's intrinsic, that it's something where it's not natural for us to just be in a place of stuckness so much, that in so many ways where we find ourselves so often. Yeah. The simple things are often so difficult. Yeah. And I think yes. oh, in gosh. part, especially with things like what, what we're talking about here, it's because that's what gets overlooked. Mm -hmm. These seem like such simple ideas I should, yeah, let, let's go for a walking conversation. Yes. You and I met a week or two ago for an initial conversation. It did not even occur to me, knowing you had written a book called Walk, to say, hey, yeah. <laughs> how about we go for a walk in this first conversation that we're not recording and get to know each other? Instead, yeah. I offered the conventional, the pat, hey, you want to meet for coffee somewhere? Yeah. And when you responded with, well, how about we go for a walk? I just thought, you know, it's, it's palm to forehead. Of course. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. So those simple things become difficult when we don't take that, mm -hmm. that slow speed, pause, take a breath, and actually think about it. Mm -hmm. I want to hear about Chafee Walks. This is a version mm -hmm. that is local to where we are here in Chafee County, Colorado, I, I think. I don't know the details yet. What what is going on? What are you starting up with that? Yeah, it's so exciting. It's just so alongside Walk to Connect for so many years. It, one of our one of our primary invitations just has been to train what we call walking movement leaders. And um, from this training, we've just hosted so many different communities related to this connection focused movement. Um, with you know whether it's based on region or themes. Um, and so I've been coming into Chafee County and Salida for many years. I do and have done a lot of work in the San Luis Valley and Alamosa. Um, I now have a small art studio here in Salida um, and some dear, wonderful people. So Marilyn Boulden, who's an amazing community advocate here and dear friend who loves to walk. Shout out to Marilyn. Um, <laughs> I just, she's so amazing. And she... She is the one who ignited a lot of the interest and passion to have more walking in her community for health, for connection. Um, her and I got connected through a lot of different things, specifically her work with this group called America Walks, where she was doing some stuff related to pedestrian safety, but also in planting seeds to help her community get out and just move more with each other for health and connection. And so she invited me to like, hey, can you come to a training with the public health department so we can get some more leaders and start this chapter? Because she had learned about my work with Walk to Connect through our connecting over all these things. And so... I, Public Health was in as a partner, and we hosted our first training um, two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago, whenever. Um, and and it was amazing. 19 people from Buena Vista and Salida showed up to this training, um, just planting the seeds. It's very grassroots, so we're just, there's no one organization, at least at this point, that owns this community. Um, when we do these trainings, sometimes it's just community wanting some support to organize themselves. And then sometimes there's an organization that really fun helps to fund and sponsor and, and kind of nurture some of the needs to, to really form a chapter. And we're starting here just in a very grassroots way with a group of amazing volunteer leaders. Um, and so it's, it's a community of trained leaders who are going to start hosting 
um, community walks based on their interest as leaders. So we've got some different uh, walking submissions that have already come in related to a couple weekly events that are going to happen. Maryland is already leading a weekly walk on Tuesdays um, on the Monarch Trail at 9 a.m., um, which is about an hour loop. And with our training, we really encourage leaders to be as specific as they can around pace, around ability, around how long, terrain, safety. So with the training comes some tools to help people really kind of choose, this is for me or this isn't for me. You okay. know? So helping people see themselves. But we have 19 new trained leaders that are going to hopefully start submitting more events um, all over the county. So it's exciting. So you can go to Chafee Walks on Facebook, which is a Facebook group at this stage. And then we literally just met um, this week to, to plant some seeds for some next steps. And we're hoping to have a website and, a, and an event calendar okay. um, coming soon, too. I am going to include links in show notes at wearechafee.org. I will have that for your intrinsic paths, um, for pedestrian dignity, for walk to connect, Love all it. the things. Real quick, before our time runs out, where can people find your book, Walk? Check your local bookstores first. Supporting local bookstores is the best. Um, I know Salida Books has carried it. Um, Once Upon a Trapeze has carried it. Um, but then uh, independent booksellers, too, online. North Atlantic Books, which is my publisher. And check out the audiobook. Had a lot of fun making that, too. So, And <laughs> anywhere great. books can be sold. Great. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jonathan, so much. I have, you know, it's been an honor talking with you. I love this conversation. Likewise. Honored to be here. Thank you. Okay, that was my conversation with Jonathan Stalls, artist, poet, and author of Walk, Slow Down, Wake Up, and Connect at 1 to 3 miles per hour. If what Jonathan shared here today sparked curiosity and ideas for you, you can learn more in this episode's show notes at wearechafee.org. You also can email comments to Lisa Martin at lmartin at chafeecounty.org. Once again, I'm your host, Adam Williams. John Prey is engineer and producer. Thank you also to Cahen Radio, where we recorded today's conversation in Salida, Colorado, to Heather Gorby for graphic and web design, to Lisa Martin, producer and community advocacy coordinator for the We Are Chafee Storytelling Initiative, to Andrea Carlstrom, director of Chafee County Public Health and Environment, and to Becky Gray, director of the Chafee Housing Authority. The We Are Chafee Looking Upstream podcast is a collaboration with the Chafee County Department of Public Health and the Chafee Housing Authority and it's supported by the Colorado Public Health and Environment Office of Health Disparities. You can learn more about the Looking Upstream podcast and related storytelling initiatives at wearechafee.org and on Instagram and Facebook at wearechafee. Lastly, thank you for listening, and until next time, as we say here at We Are Chafee, be human, share stories, 